0: Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett.
1: And I'm Juliette Starrett.
0: And you're listening to The Ready State Podcast.
1: This episode of The Ready State Podcast is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T.
0: We first discovered the joys of Element at the Spartan World Championship Race. It's basically a little packet full of some tasty, tasty salts. And one of the things I know for a fact is that I sometimes struggle to get enough electrolytes given my size, my surface-to-volume ratio, right? I'm, I'm outputting. Your attack on the sun. Yeah, that's, right, that's right. And what we know is if you're just drinking water, that's you're missing out on that fact that you can't absorb the water. And the better you eat, the less likely you are to have a bunch of added salt in your diet. So you've got to add the salt back.
1: Well, and most importantly... Man, this stuff tastes so good. And I think Kelly forgot to mention that it's also sugar-free. So um, unlike a lot of electrolyte supplements out there that are so sweet that they're like disgustingly sweet, this is just a lovely, amazing balance of sweet and salty.
0: I got to tell you, personally, this is a big joke in the family that I don't drink water.
1: He only drinks coffee.
0: (laughs) That's really my dream. If it's carbonated, I'll drink it. He does say it. that
1: there's water in coffee. There is
0: water in coffee. But what I found is maybe sometimes I just want to be entertained in my mouth, Jay. And uh, that really comes down to that the, I tend to drink a lot more water when I add the element. And mental clarity is better. Uh, the anecdotal evidence around keto flu is sometimes it's loss of salts. People are feeling terrible because they're just not getting enough salt. They've kicked out all these the carbohydrates. We have a lot of friends in our family and in our neighborhood who are you know, trying to reduce their total carbohydrate load. And one of the mistakes is that you end up not having enough salts. I cannot recommend giving this a try. Hot days, pre-workout, this is my, I, I slam it down right before I even go train and I just feel like I can put out. Like I, I, my, I'm an electrical being and this makes me more electrical.
1: Did I say how good it tastes?
0: So the last thing I'll say is that Juliet loves popcorn. I don't know if you know this about her. She's like the Steph Curry of our family, addicted to popcorn. It's so good. But it's about...
1: Getting salt into my body.
0: <laughs> it's a conduit for salt. And guess what's happened as soon as we add Element? You're like, dude, I don't need yeah,
1: it. Yeah, I'm like, I don't need 4 o'clock popcorn.
0: We are wired for salt. Somehow we demonize salt. Somehow salt slipped out of the, sort of the big narrative here, and it's such an easy win here. This Element tastes great. It's easy to use. It's portable. If you want to learn more, uh, you want to have a go at this, TheReadyState.com slash elements, L M N T. Jen Wiederstrom is a world renowned fitness trainer, published author, and fitness director of Shape Magazine. She is well known for her work as a trainer on the American TV series, The Biggest Loser. Before that, she appeared on American Gladiators as the female gladiator Phoenix. It's one of my favorite Jen facts. Jen most recently founded Get Up, a CBD supplement company, and she continues to coach athletes of all stripes. She also leads monthly carb cycling challenges through her site, weederstrong.com. And I'll speak for Juliette here. I know that she has personally found great success zipping up her own diet with carb cycling, thanks to Jen. Enjoy our conversation with the amazing Jen Wiederstrom. Jen Wiederstrom, welcome to The Ready State.
1: We are so excited to have you, and thank you for being here on a Friday afternoon.
2: I just... Uh want to know what took so long. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for that knock on my door and I'm really glad it's here.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it was like, do we talk, do we talk about gym with kids or old people or, you know what I mean? We've, we've had a few, uh, seasons and truly you wear so many hats, which is wonderful to talk with you about today and nutrition and how you're helping people navigate this, but welcome to, and we're, we're thrilled and it's about time.
2: Thank you. And I'm sorry I started bitter. I'm ready now. (laughs) Well, um,
1: yeah. And speaking of starting bitter, I think I'm just going to, you know, we were just about to have this conversation before we pressed record, but you were saying, obviously we're recording this while we're all still sheltering in place, but you said you had your first coronavirus meltdown. What happened? Of
0: the day or Of the day
1: or, no, she said for the entire time since we've had- Entire.
2: Yeah. Which is really good. I think it's good too. I just think it reminds us of how much we need each other. Um... I And it was just, you know, it sounds so stupid that I've been, you know, I I hate tech stress and I'm great at coaching. That's like what God has blessed me with. So I have someone take my coaching videos, twist them, do them, set them up and get them into the world. And she was telling me, she's like, listen, the lighting, the angles, like, you know, we really need it better. And I was like, I... I'm doing my best, I'm like, I have no one else. There's no one to hold the camera, you know? And I, and I was literally <laughs> breaking down to this poor, amazing employee of mine. And she's like, okay, no, no, you're doing great. I'm just saying if you could turn the camera back <laughs> up and I knew, you know, it wasn't like life-empting but it was this whole thing. And I was like, God, I, what was I saying? There's no one else. I'm all by myself. I don't have any help. And I was like, hmm, maybe this is something you've been feeling for a few months now. And it's really coming up that like, I'm really done being on my own. I'm done trying to be strong and fortify and create new habits to keep myself busy. Like I am legitimately lonely. I miss my, my, my people like zoom only takes you so far. And I just I'm ready to be back and, and and with my people again, whether it's sweating in a gym or like sitting on someone's couch. Like I just miss being together, you know.
0: You um thank you for uh letting us know that you're not just a cyborg. Cause sometimes that's how I, that's <laughs> how you know we are great friends and I definitely am like I'm someday I'm gonna be strong like Jen. I got this. Uh-huh. But um, you know, that really brings up to the piece is it, it's the allegory or the the metaphor for the fact that, you know. It's difficult to do it all by yourself. And what we, you know, I think one of the things that we're figuring out right now is that, ma'am, we have taken all of the guardrails off of nutrition. We've taken all the guardrails off of socially eating together. This is a really interesting time. The stress, certainly crisis and observation is the key. We have learned a lot about our ability to cook and take care of ourselves. And, you know, what are you seeing that we're getting right these days? In this interesting hmm. time, and before I ask you, what well, do you think we're we've lost our minds?
2: Oh, so, so I do get to answer both sides. Um, I think what we're getting right is is in this perspective shift um, on a personal level. I think you start to realize how much you don't need that you thought you needed to be happy. You needed to like, I can't get to the day without X or Y, and you're realizing. Your strengths, you're realizing what you thought your weaknesses are. Maybe aren't your weaknesses. Like I, I, I see what we're doing right is as a self-discovery process that has been um, not optional. (laughs) You know, and through that, there's a lot of enlightenment. um, And I, and I see people there's a different level of gratitude. There's a different level of opening. There's, and I, and I honestly like, it's fun to hear what people are coming out of COVID or out of this quarantine with, instead of like focusing on, oh, I can't do X, Y, Z anymore. It's like through this, all these doors have opened for them and they're going to keep that in their life going forward. And I think that's, I think that's, it's, you know, I saw it today on social media. It's like, everyone's like, you know, I've, and then I've done um, podcasts as well saying, well, what's 2021 going to be? And I go, mm-hmm. are we not, are we skipping 2020? Like <laughs> what happened? And a lot of the, what I've been seeing is like, 2020 is not a waste. This is, this is part of it, you know? And, I, you know, you don't get blue skies, you know, you don't make mountains with blue skies. I always say, it's like, you, you do need this bit of a torture chamber and this discomfort for growth without that kind of, um, turbulence. We don't have these, we don't get to see the cracks in our armor. We don't get to grow from them. So I, I don't know. I, I I think that's what we're getting right. That's a very long-winded, not articulate answer, but yeah, you we'll know, take uh, it. That's good. yeah,
1: I think, I think it's a, it's man, it is a mixed bag. Um, you know, one thing I've noticed, and this is really superficial and not emotional at all, but just our sort of family burn rate, um, and this sort of relates to nutrition, but just how often before I think we were like grabbing lunch out and getting coffee and eating out at restaurants. And you know, I, I'm, that's one of those things I'm super curious to see if we just spin back up into our old habits or whether we realize, you know, I, I don't know, it's just been this first time where I keep looking at my bank mm-hmm. account thinking, man, my burn rate has gone way down because I'm just not out and about all the time. And, you know, will we pick that back up or keep cooking at home? Will everybody keep cooking at home? I'm sort of interested. What do you think about that?
2: that's interesting. Um, I, one, I think people are racing back to restaurants, um, mostly out of, I think that social element. Um, but I I will say, you know, it's almost, it's, you know, fitness or cooking or this, you know, reconfiguration towards like healthier pacing, I'll call them call it uh, is scary because you are kind of afraid of messing up. And I, I lately I've been equating it to learning a language cause I've been trying to relearn Spanish again during my quarantine and I had it and I lost it. And I was like, why? And you know, and I realized that a lot of fear and the struggle behind learning a language of people, can't get over the fear of messing up. I don't want to sound off. I don't want to get the re- the accent wrong. I don't want to say that, you know, hot dog, when I meant to ask for the bathroom. And so there's so much fear around the proceeding forward that you actually don't proceed. And I think health and fitness is pretty similar. And we didn't have a choice to be afraid. We had to train inside, we had to cook at home. We didn't have a choice. So the fear was removed and the eminence of just taking care of yourself and your family became front and center. And so with that fear out of the way, I think that's where I'm saying things have opened up for people and they realize their capability and that's what's making them fluent in the language of health and fitness. And so, yes, they're running back to restaurants, but I think they've got more tools in their tool belt now.
0: I think that's elegant. I know that every high performance group we work with and some of the best metrics of understanding like successful kids. And, mm-hmm. and good family units are just eating together. I mean, just you have to you have to eat food together. Sit down and eat food like that is a miracle. Okay, yeah. so we jumped in. Um, you didn't sort of arrive at this pattern recognition expert level idea of, of seeing the the travesty and and the good things that people are doing and not doing. Can you tell us how you got here, just briefly? And I know it's the terrible question, but you are sort of a badass.
2: Ask your question a different way, Kelly. Like, what are you but, having yeah, a yeah. game? I
1: thought, I thought that was a little confused watching him, and I was like, I have no idea what he's saying. I like um, it. Uh, you know, here, here's what, um, you are a coach and an athlete yourself. And All-American. Some, yeah, and, and basically a total badass on a variety of levels, but how did you get here? I mean, what, you know, how did you, and, and maybe just like, how did you start in your professional life?
2: What was your trajectory? Where are you now? I guess the the real long and short is, you know, I'm from Chicago, went to school at University of Kansas, Rock shock Jayhawk, and my degree was in sports administration. I initially went for sports medicine and found um, that just less interesting, but I always sports interested, did sports growing up. I was never close to a state champion, but I was always like the pretty good athlete that was consistent. So I was a captain, but never getting a gold medal, if that that makes sense. (laughs) It does, it does. You know what I mean? But I was like, you know, I put the effort in and that goes all the way, Uh, it always goes all the way. So um, when I got out of college, uh, I I knew I wanted to either work for like a a sports team, uh, work with a sports agency, or even go back to KU, work for my alma mater. And uh, in the meantime, I was just drinking my face off bartending in Chicago. I always joke, like, I had a blast. I don't know what anybody else did in their early 20s, but I mean, I don't have a scent to show for it. I had so much fun. And from what I remember, I, it was, you know, a great, you know, she a great you, you are
0: honestly describing Juliet and I to a team. Oh, But yes. raft guiding kayaking. Except
2: we were raft guiding, but oh, same, same. Still poor. You know, and I'm so glad I did it. I'm a pretty careful, plotted person, and this was a time where I kind of let go some of that rigidity. And, you know, when we talked earlier about, like, kind of doing things alone, I think I do that out of control. And that was a good time in my life where I got to see, like, things were a little bit less controlled, and I had a blast, and no one died. You know, everything was okay. So anyway, um, started fitness modeling because I found out I could make a night's worth of bartending in a couple hours in a sports bra. And that's where the avalanche of like television and the sequence of events that I had never planned and had no intention of doing kind of happened. And so, you know, and and I think what happened is when I did American Gladiators, this was back over 12 years ago in 2008, when, you know, Hulk Hogan was the host and-
0: It was so awesome.
2: Oh, I mean, right? I mean, (laughs) I couldn't believe I was picked. Everybody was a professional fighter, rodeo clown, stunt double. And I was like, bartender. I'm like, been a little D1 college, you know, throwing, but like I, I don't know. Uh, I did have the smallest outfit, so that might have been part of the, the, the my entry. But um, it started me down a sequence I didn't plan on, and I think that sometimes it's some of the greatest gifts that we have. I didn't plan on going on the show. I did not plan on that show getting canceled. I did not be plan on living in LA, being stuck with like a you know, a $1,500 a month of rent, like, what do I do? And I'm like, I got to find a fucking job. Like, I don't know what I'm doing now. And um, I think that's where I started to find fitness in a different way. Because previously, you know, my, the point of the arrow for me was performance always, you work out, so you get a, you throw far, you work out. So there's a performance, even on gladiators, like it was, yes, I wanted to like, you know, it, 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 it would do well in the the performance of the of the events, but a lot of the performance for gladiators was how you look. So everything was a cause and react to those performance based kind of goals. And then you know, I needed a job and started working at a gym teaching group classes, and that's like my that's my true love. It's coaching and working with just everyday humans, and I started to realize the power of that because. It's just a different language. And if you're not moving, you don't know what I'm talking about, but it's a pretty special thing when you can see someone come into the room standing taller than they did the week before. I, I, you know, I've said it before, but I noticed like even the choice of the outfit, you know, someone that was maybe wearing their husband's shirt and like old tights from like college days they got a new outfit from like a store and it's a brighter color there's a pattern or they give you a song this is when cds were happening like here's a playlist if you want music <laughs> options and you start to see the development of the human that's parallel to the development to that. totally. so yeah exactly so i think that's what happened and i think because i was in la it was that trajectory of tv and you know eventually as most of the world knows I got into Biggest Loser and through that door opening it's a platform to write a book do other television for other shows and it's been a really it's been a really great experience but I think I will tell you the only reason I'm here here is because a lot of what I thought were these peaks in my life ended and I realized these are not endpoints like gladiators I thought oh my god I could do this forever and that, that golden egg went away and I was devastated, but it created this massive growth, growth opportunity for me. Same with Biggest Loser. We're going, I'm king of the castle, I'm feeling amazing. And then I'm like, oh, that's over. Now what? And you start to get to identify what you're, what you're pinning yourself to. And for a long time, and Kelly, I was with you the weekend I was struggling over it this summer. When I wasn't chosen for Biggest Loser, and I tied so much of my what I felt I brought to the world, what made me different to Biggest Loser, and I liked Biggest Loser beyond to be honest, because it separated me from a lot of the Instagram trash. Um, sorry, that's just reality. <laughs> uh, it made it put me on a big show. It helped me grow my following. It made me feel different, special, powerful. And so when that was removed, I also took those qualities and let that go with Biggest Loser. So then I'm like, am I not special and powerful? Am, am I not offering something at Instagram that other people aren't all over said? And it's like, no, all those things are still true. But when you assign it to something outside yourself, I realized that like I needed Biggest Loser to go away so I could actually be in a place where I was coming from within, from who I am. And you know, kind of not cheating off everybody else's paper and really deciding what I think, what I feel, and how I want to help the world. So how did I get here? I mean, I don't know, yelling at people right now like this, but like mostly just <laughs> like figuring, you know, showing up, figuring it out and having my eyes open to, to notice the difference of some, when something's really a win or if something just part of the journey along the way. So what I really heard in that story,
1: which I loved, by the way, and was a perfect answer to that question, Thank um, you. <laughs> was that you're someone who has a growth mindset. I don't know why when you were talking about that, but it's sort of at each of these big turns in your life where you maybe thought it was a failure or not turned out the way you wanted to, you sort of took it as an opportunity to grow as a human. You know, where do you think that comes from? Is it like a mm. childhood thing? Is it just, you know, is it from being a college or high school athlete? I mean, what do you think the, the root of that is? Why do you have a growth mindset?
2: I don't think I had him in the moment though. I have to kind of like call myself out cuz I was not like I'm going to use this opportunity. <laughs> I was fucking pissed. I was angry every time. I was totally victim and I think it was only it's when you have something it's taken away and you're down here somewhere in the dark pissed off blaming the world where I could choose to stay there feel sorry for myself and not understand why nobody wants to spend time with me. Right. Or spend the time alone and decide what's really going on and what's really not wrong, but what's really bothering me. And so instead of getting angry or getting victimy, I just started to get curious. And I think my curiosity is what brought mm, me into that. more of a growth mindset. And what helps me now, Julia, and answer that question as I think I it's not like I was just born with this. I know I've got great work ethic. My parents taught me great pillars and great morals, but when you do it, you get better at it. It's like it's like you practicing squats or doing and you know, doing, I don't know, throwing a baseball. You do it the first time and it feels kind of weird. You're like, oh, that was awkward but it kind of worked out and then you do it again and then you do it again. And I've been in that place that's low and uncomfortable and come through it many times, whether it was growing up as a kid, whether it was high school sports, college sports, being bullied, whatever it was, you come through that cycle. And if you're paying attention, you realize you're pretty darn good at it getting through that stuff. And that's why now, and I'm not perfect, but when I'm in a place where it doesn't make sense or I'm frustrated or starting to really, get that icky, resentful, why me feeling, I go, oh, hell, oh, ding, ding, what did I bump into? Again, I remember you. Okay, let's, you know, let's set the table for one and figure this out. And I think that's where, now that I'm interested in when that happens is what puts me into that growth trajectory. But I don't think it was an automatic skill.
0: Well, Thank you.
2: <laughs> Sorry. if you guys pull my string? Nope, I will. It's so good.
0: Um, what I love and ought to hear is that, you know, changing behavior and changing consciousness is difficult. And you have become quite an expert in helping people change those external drivers into internal drivers, which is really what this, we feel like this season has been about is one of the mm-hmm. keystones for being human is eating food. But more importantly, I don't even think it's about that. It's about people don't feel good in their bodies, they don't love their bodies, and it's all driven by some external ideal for like what I should look like and how I should look like at an age 47-year-old bald guy. I mean, what do I look mm-hmm. like? You know, every once in a while, you know, the mm-hmm. the photos come up on the screen. And I'm like, Julie, you need to delete that one. She's like, What are you talking about? I'm like, just look at that one. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I have seven rolls in the back of my neck. Like, that's not <laughs> cute. And um, you know, one of the pieces that I, you're just so good at on the web and in your teaching and your writing is this sort of reframing of conversation about internal, you know, guide, guideposts. What do you think, why do people struggle so much with food and how have you, I mean, I have never wanted to touch that pillar and I have these friends like you who just were like, oh, third rail, let me lick that thing. And, you know, really like weighed in and, and I'm like, holy moly, I just don't want, you know, I'm so grateful that you guys do this heavy lifting, but what, so the first part of the question, if I'm clear is how did you get to really appreciate the nutrition is so important. And why did you come to believe what you did about the way you're helping people understand their food choices and fueling?
2: Yeah, I think because eating is a very emotional experience. It's a driver that brings, I mean, you said at Juliet, you know, having dinners together, having this sense of this. There's, there's no culture, skin color, continent that doesn't understand the breaking of bread, right? So I think it's, it's built into our DNA as humans um, to share, to give, to join, to unify in that way. Um, but there's a couple layers here, and you don't have to be 400 pounds to understand this feeling. But at the end of the day and these are words from people I've worked with, you've got multiple kids, multiple stressors, shit going on at work. Maybe you're worried about your relationship. Maybe there's financial stressors. What is the thing that is always going to be there? That's going to be consistent. That's going to soothe you. That is going to make you feel a sense of love, even like when you're me by myself, like I'm missing my people. When I, and I, food makes me feel like community again. It's soothing for me. So I don't know how you can have the conversation about health, whether it's weight loss, weight gain, you know, wherever you're at, if you're not talking about food. And I just found it as something that was, it, you know, it's not my first, it's not my go-to conversation in the beginning with somebody, but it, but it's, it's impossible to ignore. Um, and I, and I think that what the most of the fitness industry has done, and especially back in the early 2000s is try to tell you, you know, whether it's low fat or, you know, all these crazy diets and the, and the low calories and these crazy fastings and all this stuff. And I, and instead of just addressing it their normal way, like, I I think people like look at me or look at my posts or see the magazine covers I done and don't think I don't have conversations about food in my head every day. I almost order out pizza, probably three to four times a week. I'm not exaggerating, right? Like, and then you think, okay, but. I know what I've got going on this week. I want to make it like, I really want to enjoy it. Like keep cranking here. Like I have to talk myself out of it every time because I love food and food is fun for me and I enjoy it. But what I'm not going to enjoy is overeating, not feeling good when I try to get up, whether you're working out or just moving and trying to be like effective in your day, like bad fuel in your body really distorts your ability to really think clearly as well with grogginess and all kinds of other things that we don't have to go into. But to me, I feel better mentally when I'm doing that. And then physically, if I'm eating pizza four times a week, the weight will gain. And I'm telling you, it's much easier for me or you guys, like we're in a position where like we're happy with our bodies physically, and we're kind of protecting what we've got. It's far easier to get there than protected than to try to fight and not know how high Kilimanjaro goes. You're like, how much further do I get till I'm happy? And a lot of times what we're being fed is like, you're never going to be happy because you need this magic pillar, this magic bow flex or this magic trainer. And you know, to me, I always, I always say, if you don't graduate from team gen, I haven't done my job. My job was to give you the tools, get you going, and so you can feel good and sustained on your own and A lot of this industry doesn 't teach that because if I do that, then you 're no longer giving you my money you're, ugh, you're no longer giving me your money, and that 's where this has gotten to be a kind of a sickening cycle in our industry so well, and I think I answered most of your first question. Perfect. Yeah,
1: and and perfect. And thank you for saying that. And actually, it's a perfect segue because, as you know, we're doing this entire season on sort of nutrition trends and strategies and, and strategies. And 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 I think the backstory is that a we know a lot of people who are thinking about this and talking about this. And then b I think you know, everybody's sort of searching for something. Um, You know, I can't, I'm sure you have the same thing where I have friends who come up to me and they're like, what do you think about intermittent fasting? And should I do keto? And should I do this and do that? And, you know, what I believe ultimately is that there's not one right approach. And unfortunately, I think if, especially if you're someone who's trying to lose weight, it's probably a a bit of an experiment. You know, what works for you? What can you manage? You know, what things, you know, for me, you know, the paleo diet's hard because I love popcorn. So I used, I created my own diet called paleo plus popcorn. And, um, but, you know, I think, I think not one thing works for everybody. Um, yeah, and, and, one it's, of the, and it's
0: got to be a moving target yeah, based and, on your stressors. Yeah, and how your Juliet, age Juliet and, is 47. Yeah. I mean, her body does not blow through the cookies. as. Well. Uh,
1: yeah. I, but what, what I wanted to, <laughs> to that, segue <laughs> into, the, into the question is I actually learned about carb cycling from you, and I will say that for me, it has been the most effective way for me to rein it in um, mm-hmm. when I do go through, which I did during COVID at the first few weeks of COVID, our daughter, Georgia baked a cake every single day. And I definitely was like, wow, okay. I'm plus five pounds. Um, I need to zip it up. And when I need to zip it up, I revert to carb cycling, which I learned from you. So I just, could you sort of explain what it is, what it means? Is it how you eat? Um, mm-hmm. just sort of give us
2: like a, a carb cycling tutorial. Okay. Um, I, so I think what, you, you, what you've said is perfect. You know, everybody is different, um, down to what foods feel good in my system, allergies, preferences, whatever. And I think why carb cycling became so important to me is because there's so much freedom. You can be vegan, you can be paleo, you could be paleo plus popcorn, you know, (laughs) you can eat whatever you choose on there. But what I've done is I've designed a, basically a spectrum for your macros where you have high carb and low carb days. And the long and short is there's a lot of people trying to sell you that you don't need carbohydrates or they're bad or they make you fat. And it's, it's one of the most important, I mean, I was about to say one of the most important macros. I'm like, well, there's only three, there's three (laughs) macros. I'd like to keep them all if I may. And and so what what starts to happen is we're under eating in a, in a, in a macro source that resource that's huge for helping with people think, carbohydrates for, you know, muscles or whatever, or, or they make you fat. But when, like, you, when
0: you say macro, explain that for our, our people who may not know oh, what macro is.
2: Thank you. So macros, when you break down, when you eat a piece of food, there's macro nutrients, which are proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. Those are your three tiers of macros. And so whenever you hear someone say macro counting, so. They're basically trying to associate what they're eating and they look at what's in what they're eating, which is why carb cycling is so powerful. And then you can kind of have an idea of how many fats, carbs, and proteins you're eating throughout the day for an achieved goal. So essentially what happens though is with carbohydrates, uh, you need, like your liver, I think needs about 80 grams for optimal function and that your liver then takes it to your brain, your different parts of your body, like you, I mean it's, it's, it's critical for like your, your vital organs. And then from that tier, you go into basically your muscles and your muscles require, depending on your activity, your size, your shape, between 200 to 400 grams of carbohydrates. And it's only after then when you've given your body too much energy, right? Uh, a unit of energy as a calorie. So you've got too many of those carbohydrates where your liver's all set, your vital organs are set, your muscles are set, but you're still eating Georgia's cake every day like Juliet was. Now we're spilling over into fat storage because your body's just saying, oh shit. Okay. We have extra fuel. No big deal. I'm just going to hold on to it till Juliet uses it. That's it. Your body's just got your back. And that's what starts to happen. So going with carb cycling, what I do is you do a high carb day, which means you're which is, you know, based on your total daily energy expenditure, you find that, you know, you get that number calorically of what your body needs to run in a day. And I assign a higher carb day. So you have higher carbs and lower fats with higher protein. And then once we get that influx of carbohydrates, which we need, like we just talked about, Then we go to two to three low carb days. So then our carbohydrates are lower, but not gone. And then we focus on protein and fat as your energy source for three days. So we've got this great oscillating opportunity where we're we're giving your body the carbohydrates it needs. We're letting your body take the two or three days to use them. So you're not storing them as fat. And on top of it, you get to source or choose how you want to get those macros into your body. So if you guys go to your end of your week and you're like, oh man, okay, it's a high carb day. I know I have 200 carbohydrates, this many fats. It's like playing Tetris. It's like, oh, I know I can, I'm going to have pasta and popcorn tonight. And, and you can plant it into your system because your body's seeing the food as fuel, not as, oh, it's pasta or cake. So that's really the system around it. I will offer, it's a little bit, Frustrating in the first couple days, and Juliet, I'm wondering if you had that kind of experience with that because you do have to track what you're eating, and a lot of people, for a lot of people, it's discouraging or frustrating to be like, "Oh my God, I'm only eating 50 grams of protein a day, and I'm eating 300 grams of fat or 400 grams of," and you didn't know, but that's what's so powerful is by doing this process, you really get to learn what's in what you're eating, and the number one thing I hear is. I've never felt so good. I've never had so much energy. And then I, people without even working out will lose eight to 10 pounds in my challenges just because they changed their macro counts around. So,
1: yeah. And, you know, my experience of the track, I mean, I always do, and I would love actually to speak about this after I make this comment, but, um, you know, I don't find the tracking to be too onerous. Um, I always wonder if tracking tracking any food is falling into like a disordered eating um, universe, which is sort of my question for you. I, I always wonder like, what point have you crossed into being slightly disordered if you're tracking everything you're eating? But what I will say for me is that, and I don't know if you're like this, but you know, I think if you... What, I've carb cycled enough now that I don't need to perfectly track I can pretty much guess now. I can do pretty darn good guess of like, okay, if today I'm supposed to eat 87 grams of carbs and this many grams of protein, I can do a pretty good job guessing. So it's not like a life sentence of tracking is what I found. Yes, exactly. And then the, the other thing I would say is that And, you know, maybe this is just gaming the system, but, you know, one of the things that works so well for me is that I'm like you, I do want to go and go out to dinner with my friends and maybe have a beer and, you know, I want to, I don't want to be a weirdo when I show up at someone's house and not want to eat what they served because I'm on some weird diet. And, and Mm -hmm. it's one of the things that's so nice about carb cycling is you can always plan it. So like the day you have a big social function is the day when you're going to blow it out from a carb standpoint and you don't have to worry about it. And you can still sort of be like a normal person in this society, which for me is really important, especially as a mom. So anyway, those were a lot of statements, not a question, but what do you, no. I mean, you know, is there, I mean, I'm i Tell- with you. I, yeah. I
2: see carb cycling is like a set of lanes. You've got like this super highway and this is, you asked earlier, this is how I eat and I don't track every day anymore either. Like you're able to eyeball it, you know, look at your nutrition information. It says, Oh, about 20 grams of carbs. I'm like, okay, I'm kind of adding, kind of knowing, but you got to think like, it, you know, with carb cycling, you're not just saying oh this is like you know it's like the rock and he's just getting the the, you know all of the he does like the the biggest plate of crab food ever it's not that right this is like you are in the fast lane of carbohydrates and you can go as fast as you want in that lane as long as you're staying to the speed limit that i've given you on carbs right so it's like you have these different speeds of which you get to play at in carb cycling and you plan for it and the great thing is like you can't mess it up. So if you go thirty carbs over on your carb blowout, whatever, it's it's fine. You did it. You're good the next day. You're back on low carbs. You're in a rhythm. But what it creates, and I, what I like the most, is this personal accountability. Because then you know you know what you've got going on. You've moved the days right. You said like, I, I've got this party. I've got this thing. You can adapt your life. I'm oh, sorry. Let me change that sentence. You can adapt your eating to your life versus the other way around. It's very hard to be on these strict diets, as you said, and then you have to try to like explain it to people, and you know, and it can be very disorienting in your group of friends, and you feel strange. I will tell you, uh, nine times out of ten people are looking to be inspired, and they just need one person in that group of friends to take the leap and say, Oh, yeah, I'm actually doing this, or this is what I'm working on, and this is, and they're excited and they see you do better, and then you become that leader of health in your friends. So it's it's very livable, it's very doable, and like you said, once you kind of get the hang of what you know it looks like, you get your high carb day, your low carb day, and then you just kind of get to feel it out. And if you spend time where you've gained weight, whether it's like a trip or it's just been like, I didn't want to think about food for a couple weeks, you can go right back to your numbers track for a week. And I guarantee you, you'll be, you'll be back the weight, whatever, you know, drifted up, will drift right back down. And it's a really great reset button for anybody that needs it.
0: I, you know, I live with a person who lives this way, right? <laughs> Jen Light here in the house. She's team Jen. And there are th- sort of three things that, that jump up, which I think we've heard across the spectrum. One is that it's you only ever – a few things. One, you only ever talk about whole foods. So you're 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 obsessed with whole foods. I don't – like Julia doesn't eat bars. She doesn't eat shakes. Sometimes she'll, in the evening, crush some extra protein with some ice. It's like a mm-hmm. – you know, it's been 100 degrees here, and I see you do that sometimes, you yeah. know, for satiety. Um, I don't think people – are aware of what they consume. I think that's shocking. We have such access to such calorically dense foods and people have, are just shocked for the first time. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I had no idea that that bagel was, I'm good for a week. I mean, it's just a lot of carbohydrate. I mean, you know, a quarter of a bagel is very different than a whole bagel, but I just don't think people have ever been taught sort of how, how much energy is in these foods.
2: Yeah. But that's the exciting part. Like that's, that's, that's the trial and error of this process. It's not going to be perfect, but you're going to start to learn. So to me, I think of it as like you're driving the same way to work every day and then you find a shortcut. You're like, I didn't even know this was here. That's
0: right. So even just the consciousness, I think that that's really a big deal just bringing the awareness. And I think when we've even seen like the old school zone, which we're not talking about, but just anytime, like one of our friends has the 800 gram challenge of just trying to eat, you know, more veg. And I don't think people realize that they weren't eating any vegetables and fruits. Or any mm-hmm. micronutrient-dense foods. And all of a sudden, they're like, whoa, I just wasn't eating any. And now I'm re- eating a little bit more. So the mm-hmm. the change in awareness is a big deal. Thirdly is that um, I appreciate that there's a little bit of novelty and variation in the strategy. And so Juliet has some days where – and I don't ever see Juliet wanting. So let me be clear. she doesn't, I don't, You don't starve yourself. You're training hard. I don't say dip in your forms. Although – I did catch Juliet out on a low carb lowish carb end of a low carb cycle day like a few days and then we did a brutal brutal mountain bike climb. It was brutal like brutal and Juliet's like I think I'm dying. And I was like, "Oh,
1: <laughs> you're out of energy." I need a carb.
0: And I was like, "Well, don't worry, you're having a great adaptation response right now." But, you know, and then finally, I just add that I suspect that human beings never were supposed to be hooked up to an insulin drip clock. And the variety is actually probably baked in there. And, you know, what we've seen is there are these trends right now, like keto or carnivore or just the, what is it, the lion diet now, right? And, um, sure. <laughs> and you know, Plant Paradox, where it's, they're extreme elimination diets. And the guardrails are, I can eat one kind of food. And what I do appreciate about the way I watch Juliet eat is that she is, you know, pigging out on tons of leafy vegetables and greens and you know there's just so much variety in food and it's not so austere so i mean there's Mm -hmm. there is something here around that i think and let me just say the proof is always in the pudding you know juliet's performance is great yeah i think you feel better you know you think you're like look i'm down i'm like you look exactly the same hot but um um, you know
1: well you know I cannot um, overemphasize, though, and maybe it's just the way I was raised, and I'm assuming, knowing you, Jen, that you were raised this way, but, like, you know, I'm also a polite person, so if you invited me over to your house and made a huge pan of homemade lovely lasagna... I would sooner die than not eat it because I don't eat carbs. Right. Like that to me, my, my need to be like a nice, kind, polite human far outweighs any diet I'm doing. And again, this is one of the reasons that this works so well for me because, you know, and I also think too, you know, one of the things I so appreciate about you and even you mentioning that you eat pizza is that, you know, we really are kind of like 80, 20 eaters. We Mm -hmm. do love to have a pizza or something. I mean, right. Like, Food is fun.
2: Food is so fun. I mean, I'm literally drinking a beer as we do this podcast. You know, I. It's 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 one of those things where, and I think it goes down to some of the conditioning we've experienced in this wellness industry. Um, like even my good friend and mentor Anna Bornstein, you know, they posted pizza, and they asked him, uh, like, "Do you actually eat the pizza?" And he was like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> and we thought it was so funny, like, of course. And I think there's just, um, there's, I mean, and I think it comes with the dos- disassociation that's come with any kind of social media. What you see are a combination of, I mean, genetically gifted people, uh, me included. Like, I, I I mean, if I showed you guys a picture of my parents in the 70s, I, you'd be like, oh, that's why you have those quads. Got it. You know, like, like you know. So I realize I've kind of won the genetic lottery. But what starts to happen is, is people, you know, are not posting really what's real. And so then there becomes this trickle down effect of, um, why don't I look like that? I mean, I've worked with professional athletes that are crushing life, and they're like telling, showing me the Instagram. Like, and I air quote trainer slash model people that they want to look like. I'm like, are you nuts? You are like, you know what I mean? Like, to me, what is beautiful is strong, athletic, capable. And I'm telling you, to be those three things, most of the time, you don't have the shredded six pack. It's not sustainable unless what I see is like, and it's really only in the CrossFit world where they're doing this high level of volume at all times. I mean, I love that. I mean, like I'm one of the few women that I've seen as muscular as I am that has natural breasts. I still got a booty and it's because I'm eating enough to sustain a female form. And that's what women, I would love to start to encourage them down that road. Like, I don't know if it's a return or it's a forward or if it's a forward progress. Like Julia, I don't know, because I mean your generation ahead of me. It's like, yes, strong, but like if you didn't have body fat on you, you couldn't make those climbs. You couldn't be an Olympian. I just don't see how it's possible. And and, and I and I and, and women are wondering why at the end of the day they can't keep up with their kids. It's like, well, you're under eating to try to get abs that don't exist. In reality, you know. So I I don't know. It's it. It it, it, to me, like clearly, I get like worked up about it. Like I want to bring us back to this reality of center and what real strength is and what real beauty is, and start to celebrate it in ourselves.
0: And I just want to highlight for a second um, that you are come out of a elite athlete uh, performance model you're currently working, and coaching elite athletes. It's not like Mm -hmm. your bona fides aren't there. I just want to point that out. But also, I really appreciate that you've been on the other side of the uber Hollywood camera ready dysfunction. And so, I mean, you're one of my few friends who I think has really seen both sides, not who's just mired in health, which is important, or not just mired in performance, but also of everyone we've talked to, I mean, Stan Efforting, of course, is another good example of someone who's, who has the eye on the performance model, but his model is, hey, someone is a bodybuilder, right, or a physique competitor, and that's still not the same thing as the dysfunctional eating we see in, you know, through Hollywood, through Insta. So what's interesting about um, sort of this greater conversation is I really appreciate that you've, you've created flexibility and you've created account, easy accountability, um and with an eye on that aesthetics do matter right uh, that's sure. usually why people are i mean we have some friends who are trying to get their health in order because it's not working and they've had blood panels and and health checkups and they've gotten scares and i also appreciate that you're speaking to both sides uh, we have a lot of friends in nutrition who aren't necessarily coaches around healthy movement behavior and i'll say that i've exercised with you you are a savage um, I even was in a powerlifting contest with you. I know you can pull.
2: Yeah. And
0: uh, I know a little right. no fact. That's
2: the day I met you. So that's
0: right. <laughs> and um, so can you talk a little bit just because I think you're in this unique perspective of being a coach and and, and that includes nutrition, but sometimes doesn't. we don't wear that clothes, those, those clothes. How is it important if people want to change their body composition that they also need to exercise or do we need to focus? If people are interested in trying to change their body composition, do they need to just hey, let's eat first, then move second? How would you, or is it both?
2: Mm, I mean, the, the, the gateway drug to physical change is people want to work out. They're more inclined to move than give up what they want to eat. Ooh. And so to me, it's kind of it's like, you know, you, and I will tell you, when you're moving, okay, do you get out and done with like a workout and you just feel great? And you're like, you know what? Let's go crush some Denny's that <laughs> <laughs> like, no one ever. It's like, no, you're like, I feel good. It's crazy how smart your body is. It's like, you want some sort of water. You want some sort of good, like you want a carbohydrate, but you're like a good one. Like, it's funny. Like, like, it's funny what your, your, your brain tells you, you want. It's, it's never like, I want donuts. It's you want this hearty meal. You want to to put something good in your body. So I think moving actually helps assist the better choices. And the other thing is I've mm, never heard that
0: before in that way. I really appreciate that. That's really different. Yeah. I heard. mean,
2: think about it. I mean, test it. If anybody listened, like test it, honestly, get out and think, what do you what are you what are you in the mood for? It's well, I'm trying cool.
0: to keep up with Juliet. So I usually feel a little sick afterwards and definitely <laughs> yeah. don't want to eat.
2: Oh, I I'm I've yet to go on the bike ride, although I still <laughs> want to go on that one with you, Juliet. Yeah, we're phone. doing that. Um, so I think that, I think you have to look at this as, is this is a behavioral, emotional decision when it comes to food. Now I have seen people have a lot of success, success just with food who don't have time to bring in movement yet. But I think if you're moving food first, food gets easier because the other thing is too is, okay, same scenario. You crush the workout. Am I about to erase that workout and that effort towards my goal physically for Chipotle? I don't think so no way i'm like man i want to put something good in my body and that's why it's like the physical aesthetic like i've i've been at cover shoots and have photographers tell me that like like is there anything you can do with your stomach and been really hard on me like i have been in moments where i was i really i was like oh my god do i need to lose weight like really freaked out about it so i understand the power of aesthetics and i believe that carrots work i whether it's a wedding whether it's a beach trip, whether it's just summer, whether it's just like I'm single, I want to look good when I get naked. Like whatever that becomes, like I want use I it. I Pro- Like you know, seriously, probably. Yeah, Juliet
0: and I even week to week we say, "What are we living for this week?" You know, yes. and that yes. that really, I mean, right now, you know, right now
2: it's tough, but you it's
0: know. tougher. You know, but uh, but we do have have. I, I really, I think that that's a really important idea. I think that that carrot idea has really focused people's behavior and, and having a goal that's external, not like I'm going to hit this weight. That means nothing. I think that's totally, yeah.
2: And, and it really should be how you're feeling, how you're looking. And that's what I get to do a lot in the carb cycling, because when you start people are like I've only lost four pounds, but like see the pictures and they seen the body composition shift. It's like, oh, sweet. I'm there. And there's something exciting about seeing change. And people get very impatient. They're like, I've been doing this for four weeks. What's going on? I'm like, well, you've been doing it that way for 40 years. It will take some time.
0: I squatted twice this month. Why aren't I strong?
2: Right. And that's the thing. There's an impatience expectation that I think we've just kind of adapted as... I think we've technologically gotten more advanced, which is amazing for so many reasons, through medicine, through science, through everything. But when it comes to fitness, our bodies are still doing the, you know, we're still like Amish, we still gotta make butter by hand kind of a thing. Our bodies take time and they need to trust you. Because if they doesn't trust you, it's gonna be like, I don't know if Kelly's gonna feed me again, I'm gonna hold on to whatever he gives me and they start storing. So there has to be that level of trust and consistency over time. And I think that, like I said, Part of the carrots are physical I want to fit in said dress right or I want to I want to make sure I you know I go to my reunion looking great but I will tell you for me when I stopped making it just about the physical and made it about who I am as a woman like emotionally I realized that that was the greater carrot so if I am eating poorly I'm giving up on my workouts um, or not even showing up to them I become a very I'm I'm not the wonderful woman you you are to see before you today, right? Like I I become uh, agitated, somewhat uh, meaner, shorter. I'm insecure. I'm not. I'm in a relationship. I'm not wanting to be sexual, right? And I'm finding every excuse to not be in that position with my guy or blame it on him, right? Like I am not. I am not a fun time. And I thought, hmm. That's what I'm fighting for. This woman right here, right? Who's open, interested, intelligent, outgoing, wants to dance when music comes on versus all closed off and angry and shut down. Because I know I can't keep that up. And I see a lot of people living that way. And that's why that's for me, my kind of carrot is for, as far as Jen, the persona, because the waistline will follow If I make good decisions to feel like the best that I do my body's going to be banging and I don't have to worry about that part anymore. I think
1: that's just so important for women, especially who I think are more often the ones that are struggling, struggling, struggling to try to lose weight. Um, one of the things, one of the most influential ever nutrition articles I've ever read is a John Berardi piece called the cost of being lean. Hmm. Um, and anyway, I'll I'll share it with you. It's one of my favorite things ever. I'm running
2: it down. Yeah. Yeah. It,
1: um, but it's just about this idea that, that, the, that you know, you can have the six pack abs and be super lean and have 10% body, body fat. But often the cost of that is your social life and your emotional health and, and all these other things that I think people, it, you know, if you really step away from it, I think most people would probably rather be plus 10 pounds and have healthy, happy relationships and have fun and have a social life than be so jacked and lean that they can take the Instagram photos. And so anyway, I just, I really appreciate you saying that because I think that's such a big part of, what we're missing here in this like giant goal to diet down and be lean. And I I think it's so important that that's part of your program.
2: Thank you. And Emma's laughing. Like you're going to save a lot of money on Botox too. Like the amount that's (laughs) happening in our world where like you're, when you lose it all, when you get that lean, you, where do you, I mean, people start to wrinkle out and they don't understand why I just, if if most people, they just gained five pounds, of fluid of fat ugh, the life they'd have but they get stuck on a number or they get stuck on a dress size or they, they get stuck on a former self number one thing i hear and it's mostly from women it's like well in high school i dot 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 mm. and it's yeah. like whoa, whoa whoa i mean I, I i in high school i'm trying to think i had to have been at the most, maybe like 120, high 20s, you know, low 30s. There's no, for me to get to that weight again.
0: Oh, you're just losing a leg. It's fine.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: so you don't yeah, need just it? Just chop
2: up one of your legs. Yeah, you just, I mean,
0: that's, it's got to be right there.
2: Like my body now is a woman, and Julia, let me know what you think. I, my body older is the best I've ever seen it. Yes, my knees make sounds now that I didn't used to, which was weird when it happened. Uh, my neck has some arthritis. I've got some cellulite, but I have like muscle density and strength that I've never experienced. I have, I just feel full. I feel like my hair is like better. Like everything about my womanhood has gotten better in each decade. And the thought of being smaller and weaker and less capable than I am now, it feels like such a backward step. And I think I just, but I also had to wrap my head around the gen that's now Versus who I used to be or look like
0: oh yeah, Jen post a uh, D- division one thrower, I can totally see it oh, yeah. <laughs> so you know one of the things I just want to shout out for is because I am in a cohort of men who are approaching fifty, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we I have seen universally in my in my community is that the guys are suddenly like, "Oh my God, it's not working. I think <laughs> men had a little you bit of your more, penis. <laughs> That's part of huh, probably it, probably that Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> I, let's be I clear. I think uh, my diet isn't working. I don't feel I don't feel very svelte anymore. And what we saw was um, men were I think were able to hide or buffer. They didn't have the social pressure, the social cost. It was okay to have dad bod. I mean, can you imagine if we were like mom bod? They had to celebrate mom bod. I was like, mm, that's never going to happen. Um, and then also, I do want to give you know credence to the fact that I have suddenly seen men have to throw it in reverse with a lot of momentum. And it's difficult to make massive change, especially so many behaviors and coping behaviors around drinking and self soothing and people at kind of the peak of their power. Um, Mm. And then I also just want to say that I want to appreciate that I hear you and I think of you as an athlete and struggle with, you know, there was a weight where I was my favorite because I talk to a lot of athletes and one of my favorite things to say is what was was your your favorite favorite weight? And 100% of the athletes I know are like, oh, brink, and they just spit it out in two seconds. It was when they were a college gymnast. That was my favorite weight. Oh, when I played at this weight at this height or in the NFL, you know, Mr. Rogers had a favorite weight. And then he would, he would weigh himself and swim a little bit more and eat a little bit less and eat a little bit more and swim a little bit less. And he kept that favorite weight. And so, you know, it is, it is easy to get stuck into this and then mm-hmm. to see people revert, to the behaviors that got them to that favorite weight in the first place a long time ago, even though they're cutting off their nose despite spite their face. So I appreciate that.
2: It's funny. You say favorite weight and Julia, I want to know your tipping point, your breaking point. I miss the time when I wasn't aware of my body in comparison to someone else or a former self. And I remember like I was in college. I mean, I was squatting 315, by the way, weakest girl on the throwers at 315, just so we're clear. <laughs> oh, yes. By far. Yeah. I mean, my snatch was almost 200, which was like my shiny spot, but I was a hammer thrower, so I had to. And I remember ripping out jeans at bars if we went out. I never thought twice about my food. I was also training a lot as well, but I was, up, I was like easily a size 10 because of my ass and my thighs. And- um, I never thought twice about it. I never thought twice about getting naked with my boyfriend. I never like obsessed in the mirror before I went out when we took pictures. I never worried like where my hand was, you know, with the flat arm thing with the elbow out or in, we just loved life. We loved being physically capable and it wasn't until I started getting into The fitness world Mm -hmm. where I started becoming ashamed of my body. I remember my least favorite attribute was my legs when I started getting into American Gladiators. I hated my legs. Even though they
0: were your moneymakers.
2: Yeah, moneymaker out there. Yeah. Number one compliment I get is my legs, and I hated them the most. And I was so embarrassed by them. I would go to fitness auditions and I would try to wear tights and like I never wanted to wear shorts. And I was like, oh God. And I miss that mindset. And I and I don't know. I think it happens for every woman, because and now it's happening sooner. Because I hear it with little kids too. But like Julia, do you remember that time, like when you weren't thinking about it, and then suddenly it became all you saw it about? Oh
1: yeah, I mean, man, I don't know when that was, and I, I honestly think a big part of that is that in, in one of the big negative things of social media, because I was even showing Kelly that, um, you know, when you click on the little. Magnifying glass on Instagram to see things that you might be interested in. Well, for some reason, up until recently, like 90% of the things I might be interested in would be women wearing booty shorts and a tank top who are super jacked and lean and have like 12, a 12 pack abs. And I was like, you know, this is not good for me. Like, why don't yeah. I am a 47 year old woman? I have a job. I've had two babies. You know, I have like loose skin and stretch marks and this is not who I should be comparing myself to. So I've been trying to retrain my Instagram where mm. I only ever click on like cat photos. And I just showed <laughs> Kelly today that on my little magnifying glass, now I still have like 10% like jacked 25 year old women. 90% but I like old 90% cat lady friends.
0: Like it's crazy. Um,
1: and, yep. uh, but I, so anyway, yes, I, I do think um, that's definitely one way um, that social media gets me down as a woman is just, Sort of, and especially as a woman who's in this health and fitness business, where, you know, I obviously do need to live up to some standard of health and fitness, but I also am never, ever gonna look like a 25 year old professional CrossFit athlete anymore. Like, that's just not possible. Totally. So, and- so, yeah, that's tough. I think for me, the social media piece can be tough, and I have to make sure that I tune that out, turn it off, don't pay attention, don't compare. It's really hard though.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a dangerous neighborhood up here when I start to look. <laughs> And I'm like, Oh, this girl, she's like 50 pounds. She's this, she's that. And I am like, Jennifer back off. Okay. She's got to eat too. Don't worry about what she's doing. And I, but I, I, I'm with you. It's funny. It and is I, easy. and, um, and I just, I, 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 and what's interesting is like, I cried with my best friend. Uh, I've known her since college. Right. We were 17 and, she has two little ones she's pregnant with her third but she had gone through a miscarriage and so the her body was just kind of being funny and and she never and she's had a she's got a pretty bad knee um and was crying she's like i've never worried about like my body and i'm i'm embarrassed by it you know and she's six feet tall incredible athlete like one of the best iron mind like juliet and, and I'm like, I've never heard her crack or crumble. And it's even gotten to her, how is this getting so bad? And I, I'm not saying let's rush the plus size modeling, it's everyone gain weight, but it's really embracing your body, your size and shape in a healthy way. And then honoring what happens to a woman's body through children, whether it's the hip spreading, the skin stretching, sometimes extra weight comes on and it's all okay. It's part of this, literally a miracle. And, right. and growing it, a human being in your body, it's crazy. And I, and I say it easily, I say it and I've never had a child. So I can't imagine what it feels like to have your body become the vessel. Oh,
0: Julia right? loved being pregnant. It was her favorite thing ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not,
2: oh, yeah.
0: you know, hijack. Look, um, you're one of our besties. We can talk a lot. I want to know right now as we get closer, what are you working on? What are you excited about?
2: Oh, gosh, that's so great. Thanks for asking. Um, It's funny. I I did this little goals work with our friend AJ Pappas. And, you know, listen, from a professional standpoint, I couldn't be happier. I have an, an app that I've launched called Train Heroic. Um, I'm doing programming, I'm coaching, I'm teaching live workouts. I'm building this massively special motley crew of a community and it's ours and it's mine. And we're having a blast, right? I have my carb cycling challenges that that's how I, you know, suckered Julia into learning about it, but I'm running those like every other month or so. I have another one coming up in the month of June. Um, you know, I've got my CBD company. It's thriving. I have, you know, everything is going great. But I'm most excited about my personal life. I, and I realized that when I did this goals exercise, so much of where I'm excited to do things in my life, I'm the least happy with, because I've set the least goals there and I've spent the less time there. And that's in relationships, like with love. It's in my own learning. And it's the things that challenge me. And I don't think I've been challenged in a while. And I've also realized that physical challenges don't count. Um, not because, anymore, not anymore. Not for people like us. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm at this precipice where I must now forge into a place where I've been asking people to go for my entire coaching career. And I've almost been at this fork in the road, uh, happily avoiding the conversation and, 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 and answering that question myself because I'm kind of directing traffic for people that needed help. And I'm just most excited about this kind of next shift in my life and using this time while away. And not like on the road, like you guys often are, you know, every other week, um, to really kind of go deeper there. So, um, you know, I, am that's, that's really it. So that's my, you're, you're relearning Spanish, which is amazing, right? That's my learning category. I, 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 I'm like, I've got to do this. I've been saying, I want to be multilingual for the better part of a decade. And I'm like, I know, hola, I know me llamo Jennifer. And I'm still, I'm like, I've got to get comfortable and I've got to start to put myself in these positions, especially because that's what makes me a better teacher. And I'm ready. I'm ready to be better just across the board.
1: So if someone has listened to this and they are like, I am going to give carb cycling a try. I know that you, you know, and I follow and know that you do these periodic carb cycling challenges. Yeah. Um, When's the next one starting? What would it involve? Where would people go if they wanted to sign up for one?
2: Okay, easy. So weederstrong.com. I know it's really clever, but no one can spell my last name. So you guys can put it in, I'm sure, the episode notes. Yeah, we'll put it in. in Weederstrong.com. Everything's in there. Um, You sign up. I walk you through everything. I communicate weekly. I have live office hours. I give you all the information. I, I answer every email. There's no... I have no assistant. It's always Jen all the time, whether you like it or not. (laughs) So, um, um, so that's all on Weeders Strong. You can learn about my app there. You can get my different, my weekly newsletter. I'm I'm putting out a lot of support. I'm giving free courses all the time just to help people during this time. I'm actually starting one in a week or so, just like doing like a, I mean, I'm coaching live, but I'm also doing some other personal work and growth for people. So all that can be found on my website at Weeders Strong. And then, uh, my social media is always just my full name, Jen Wiederstrom. So I'm there as a resource if anybody wants a friend or a high five or wants me to kick or like a butt. killer oh, wow. ab workout because I feel like lately <laughs>
1: you've had like these, you know, like you've been doing like amazing. Yeah, it's been, I've been
2: pushing myself creatively. I mean, and I haven't, I gotta tell you guys this, I didn't even talk to you about this. You know, I haven't been coaching in a long time because- I did biggest loser. And then I, you know, you, you can't take on classes and clients if I'm not going to be home. And I've pushed on the road so much that I, I lost like one of my first loves, which is coaching mm. and taking on this athlete now, which is why I'm in Florida. I just forgot how much I loved it. I, I, lo- I love, I love, I love the experience, the, 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 the programming, the creativity. And it's really been this kismet experience where I come to my Airbnb and I'm by myself with, you know, my, you know, a couple of beers and I start to think up all these crazy ab exercises and workouts. Like how, how can I get someone to actually have a, a good workout in their home? Boom. So I'm glad you thought it was hard. Cause I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's hard, but like, you know, it's just me here. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you're, like, you're like, it's
1: like the missing feedback loop. Well, Jen, yeah. it is, we are so honored to have you on. Thank you so much for being here, taking the time, being our friends supporting me in
2: my own carb cycling, we're just very grateful for you. Listen, you guys are two people that are, um, you belong to the world. And I think if any—if anybody ever had a chance to sit down with you face to face and not just hear you see you, but like really feel and understand your presence and who you are as humans, it's, I know it's a pivot point for them. And uh, my hope is that uh, we can see each other soon uh, and we can continue to put you in the lives of more people because I tell you, the world, the world needs the stirrettes. You guys are very special and I love you very much.
0: Go J Star. Jenny, <laughs> thank you so much. You are the Jen. best. Thank you so much. Thank
2: you guys, I love you.
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to the Ready State podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all our episodes here or at theredistate.com. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show.
1: Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Ready State.
0: Until next time, cheers, everyone.